Do you seek answers found only in Apocrypha? Well, you came to the right people. After all, this is the Daedric Podcast. Welcome back to the Daedric Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to continue with our moon theories. But don't worry, these are the last of the moon theories that we have right now. And these are the mysterious ones. So, we are going to talk about the secrets of the moons and the sound of the moons. And these are actually quite convoluted theories. So. Convoluted indeed. Without any further ado... Let's start with the secrets of the moons, shall we? Yes. And by the name of it, you can just guess uh, this one's gonna be a tough one. Because it's secretive as hell. So, uh, the name of this theory couldn't be any more vague. It's just, what's the secret of the moons? Yeah, good luck with that one. But, thankfully, we know for a fact that there is a very specific race that's heavily tied to the moons and whose whole racial thinking that they have going on is about them being very secretive and that's the Khajiit now the Khajiithi mythos or more like their creation myths are really something basically their whole creation mythos is original unlike most cultures they have their thing completely separate from any other culture. They just went, oh, we're the center of the universe now, and every other race is just a side player. And they have the very different names for all the different deities or primordial forces. But to the back to the theory, the secrets of the moons is, I think, uh, it's referring to the secret that Azura, the actual creator of the Khajiit, or uh, at least by their own accord, in the Khajiiti mythos, when Padome, the Khajiiti aspect of Padome, was dying, Azura came to her and her mother, quote-unquote, gave, gave her a gift in the form of three secrets and throughout the history uh, of of the Khajiit culture Azura relayed these secrets to the Khajiit and also she gave the Khajiit uh, certain powers and abilities to make them stand out and uh, survive in this crazy world I think just literally reading that one paragraph would be perfect. Which one do you mean? Which book is that? The words of clan mother Anisi. And Azura came to her and said, Poor Narni, stop your tears. Azura makes for you a gift of a new people. Nerni stopped weeping, and Azura spoke the first secret to the moons, and they parted and let Azura pass. And Azura took some forest people who were torn between man and beast and she placed them in the best deserts 
and forest on Nerni, and Azura, in her wisdom, made them of many shapes, one for every purpose. And Azura named them Kajit, and told them the second secret, and taught them the value of secrets. And Azura bound the new Kajit to the lunar lattice, as is proper for Nerni's secret defenders. Then Azura spoke the third secret, and the moon shone down on the marshes, and their light became sugar. So yeah, that, that's one part of it. Also, uh, Kajit in their culture, uh, the whole thing that when Kajit is born, they drink the milk and they learn all the knowledge and the secrets of their uh, culture just from the milk. They pass down knowledge through milk, and they have an order called the Moon Singers, who are known as the keepers of the lore and the storytellers of an ancient tales and legends. And they are well respected on the Khajiit and are primarily found in elsewhere. Uh, knowledge of some ancient tales, such as the tale of uh, Kunzarai, the invisible cat, and the demons are split across several Moon Singers in order to maintain its secrets. So they are, the, this order basically keeps the knowledge of these Kajiti secrets, but one of these Moonsingers only knows a part of, its, of the story and they never know the whole context so as to not, sh- uh, not be like, influenced by how terrible the secret may be. That's also one possibility. And that's as far as uh, I have been able to find. Very secretive secrets of the secretive moons. So this next theory, the sound of the moons, is a very complicated theory. And in fact, for a very long time, no one really had an answer to what this theory could even be referring to. In fact, it was only recently that... uh, our good friends at the Tamrielic Archimeth Mythologian Society, they came up with the idea that it could possibly be referring to Jadari's dialogue in Elder Scrolls Online Dragonhold, where she explains that the mains are sensitive to Lorcai's influence and reportedly hear the moon singing to them. In the actual quote uh, is, and as she listened to the moons, they sang to her song as sweet as candied moon sugar until the day their song became the steady beat of drums. The problem with that interpretation as they indicate themselves is that the iceberg is from June 2019 which is before Elder Scrolls Dragonhold was released and therefore that quote had not been made. So After some extensive research, what I found was that it might be related in some way to the fact that the moons are rotting and that perhaps people are hearing the rotting sound of the moon or the cries of something dying. But I actually found a very interesting uh, phrase in the book Five Songs of King Wolfheart. To be more specific, it is actually the last part, the secret song of Wolfheart Ash King. The very final piece, the doom drum, the tool keening of the Dwemer is named and described as a dagger made of the sound of the shadow of the moons. And that is the only 
specific reference that says anything along the lines of Sound of the Moons. Now, what's interesting is that on the Forum Scholars Guild, which is a fan forum with fan-made content based on a lot of the different theories, a journal, quote-unquote, was written uh, called On Tonal Architecture. And a in-lore, supposedly, uh, researcher has a whole explanation related to this and it's actually quite interesting though it is a bit long so uh, let me try and go through it quickly last i wrote i referred to the unlife of the golems and how the dwemer might have utilized the power of the daedra themselves as events revealed it was not the daedra who were used but lorcan himself however i was interested in how the power was drawn from the heart as most know, the heart of Lorcan acts as an anchoring point for the energy of Mundus, the final spark of creation. Thus, the Dwemer must have used extraordinarily odd means to extract energy without endangering all of the world. What set me on this path was a portion of the Dunmary Apocrypha Nerevar at Red Mountain. In it, Dumak swore by the fifteen and one golden tones. This caught my eye and set me to thinking about the profane tools in Kakronek's title, Chief Tonal Architect. The tools are said to have brought forth a tone from the heart which was then manipulated either to imprint powers on the bearer of the tools or to shape enchantments. Sunder rendered a single pure tone and Keening shattered this into lesser tones, most likely 15. This explains their source. But why 15? The answer lies not in the heart or even on Mundus, but without. The Daedric Princess. Although most people view there as being 16, Malakath is not truly a Daedric prince, merely a corrupted hero god. Thus, originally only 15 Daedric princes dwelt in oblivion. Why are they linked to the heart? Because the heart deals with energy, the province of chains and Padme, the realm of the Daedra. All together, the tones form a single pure tone, the original voice of Padme. Each subtone represents a unique form of change, which the Daedric princes rule over. Thus, tonal architecture deals with the arrangement of change in new fashions. Chaotically arranging them destroys previous enchantments, as seen by the Nerevarine's defeat of Dagoth Ur. By looking at the princes, we can see which tones would have been desired and which would have been discarded. Ironically, Azora's own sphere, static change, may have been used by those she hated to slow their aging until the proper arrangement of the tones was completed. But how can the tools elicit these tones? To understand, I turn to a fairly disreputable source, the Five Songs of King Wolfhart, a vocal tradition until recently most of the tale is likely corrupt. However, secret songs refer to the profane tools calling Keening a dagger made of the sound of the shadow of the moons. The moons, according to many, are the remains of Lorcan's body. The shadow which falls upon them is the decay which has befallen his immortal flesh. The source which can cause the immortal to decay is powerful indeed. Sunder, a hammer of divine mass, was imbued in some way so that it had a relation to the heart's own true essence. Thus, Sunder could cause a resonance with the heart, creating a single tone, keening, bearing a force which tears the immortal apart, then took that tone and reduced it to its components, shaping them as needed. That is the important part of that whole text. It goes on for a little longer, and it's actually quite interesting, but it is an interpretation of what the sounds of the moons could be. 
But as previously stated, it is very, very convoluted. What could the original author have meant by the sound of the moons? We will never know because the original iceberg was posted on 4chan and it is impossible to find out who was the original author. Perhaps one day we'll find out. Perhaps we will never find out. But until then, we will continue to find answers to all of these theories as we go through each one of them. Tom, are you still there? Yes, I am. <laughs> so we know that the moons are dead. We've known that because of Michael Kirkbride. He is, as with many things, he is the main source of the game-breaking information that we get here. And in his work, uh, The Cosmology, he talks about the moons being originally white and featureless, but since they died a long, long time ago, and they started to decay, they started to gain color because they rot away. And when they actually rotate and we see their faces, the crescent, the, the crescent moons, it's not shadow because you can see stars through the black part. It's just rotten away, eaten by something. So I'm gonna leave it at that. So you have nice nightmares <laughs> and... I will give you one little uh, tidbit of information as well. Uh, for those of you who don't mind breaking the fourth wall a bit. In each game, starting in from Morrowind, the moons actually get a bit closer and the texture, the picture that is used for each of the moons is actually from a real-life universe in that Secunda, the smaller moon, is actually a picture of Titan, one of the moons of Jupiter, and Massa is actually a picture of Mars. What?! Yes. Really? But colored differently. That's why. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see that because Mars, uh, Master is bright fucking red, and Secunda is like bluish, greenish, gray. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> so for the next episode, let's do something fun. Mm. Elder Scrolls has always been themed around a certain fantasy creature. <laughs> Just one? <laughs> oh, well, if I think there's one that everybody knows about that's been on the cover of the one that has been played the most and re-released re- the most. That one being the, the fucking dragon might. The fucking dragon might. The fucking dragon <laughs> Um, dragons being like the most popular fantasy creature ever there's a, a, a buttload of theories around dragons in the iceberg so I, ho- I hope you're prepared for some scaly no that, that sounds wrong I wanted to say you, I hope you're prepared for some scaly action well I mean it's your choice of words I did not make you say anything <laughs> don't include this <laughs> uh, Sponsor us, Bad Dragon. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> See you next time, everyone. See Bye. you next time, guys. <laughs> <laughs>